The GGBC is brought to you by GG Poker. It's the world's biggest online poker room. They have more players than any other site and it's designed to bring back the fun to poker. They've got the classics like Texas Hold'em and Omaha with games for all skill levels. Yeah, Deck loves Bounty Hunter. Yes, I do. And GG Poker has games that you won't find anywhere else. They run huge tournaments with big prize pools. And George, did you know they actually hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament? What about if you're a new player? Well, George, I'm glad you asked. If you're new to GG Poker, when you make your first deposit of at least £10, you'll get £60 in free play. No wonder they've got more players than any other site. You've got to be 18 or over, and this offer is for new UK players only. Minimum deposit is £10. Full T's and C's apply. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a crowd podcast. He actually probably become less popular when he won a world title. The battle I had there was trying to keep fans away from you, Eddie. How do we build our fan base for this podcast? It was still me versus everyone. Shit show, shit ticket sales. Good show, sell out. Let's get on with it. I'm George, he's Deck. Hello, it's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hola, Deck. Hola, Senor Groves. That was what I wanted. Yeah. Because not just the Spanish. No. I want to hear the Spanish. Yeah, you want to hear it in the I hear it in, in the intonation. In the enunciation. How are you? Great. How are you? Full Sunburnt? Of, full of tacos. Tacos. <laughs> yeah. Have you been drinking a Mexican beer? Enchilada. Si, si, cerveza. But back to business now. Back to business today. Before I let you get stuck in amongst the early salabs on your Dexico trip. Yeah. Well, first of all, let's talk about some listener interaction we've had. Oh, yeah. We've had some people getting in touch. We have Damien Turner. He's put, hi, George and Deck. He just wanted to say that he's loving the podcast. I me. love it when people start with yeah. loving the podcast. Me too. I'm getting suspicious now whether Ross is just editing that first line in for yeah. us. Ev- on every bit. For my ego. He says he would love for James DeGale to feature on an episode, even if I'm Team Groves. Whew. That's not the way to get him, first nah. and foremost. He should have said he was Team DeGale. Yeah, we need a clamour from that side, don't we? Yeah, I've got to be honest. It felt like a possibility a little while ago. Yeah. And now it feels like it's not an imminent possibility. Hey, listen, we put it out in the, into the universe mm. and that's the best we can do. I'm thinking if he wants to be in the 100 Club, I'm thinking 100, 100 episode guests. I think we should put ONG into that now. James DeGale, legend of British boxing, first ever British Olympic gold medalist to win a world title as well. Like we need to talk to not only about your history, but come on, he is, a, we need him in the club. Do you know what else we should mention, George? 
What? The prints flying out. I don't, I'm not sure if there's many left or any left. If, they, if you want one, one of the last, because we're only doing 50 of them, it's on the link tree on the merch page. Big shout out to Jonathan Woodward and big Jordan Gill, elite club member, been in the club. If you haven't listened to his episode, go and do it. He got in touch. Can I get one? <laughs> he can get one. I don't know, Jordan, mate. It depends if you can go on the merch page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't give him one of the limited 50. No. They're for the, the listeners. Yeah. Do we make like a snide one for him? <laughs> Because I, I can, who's better at me drawing? Probably you. I'll have a good go at it, but it won't look the same. <laughs> God knows what Jordan will look like when if you draw him. Yeah. Kind of impressionism. Let's get him on. Joe Cordina might buy it though. <laughs> but Joe Cordina, what he says about art is when you look at some art, you know straight away whether it's for you or not. And when I looked at that print, like I heard the sort of angels calling. You know, when like a sunbeam goes onto your into your face and you're just like, ah, oh, that's how I felt. So that art is for me. Tell you who else has been in, in touch? The mustard man himself, Dave Coleman. He said, hi guys, guess what? Love the pod. Yes. Now, good point Dave's coming up. Surely Dave Allen would make a great interview and an easy get. Keep up the hard work. Now, two things. Hard work's probably pushing it. Secondly, Dave Allen, great interview, 100%. An easy get. Not quite so much. We tried to get David and we were like there. We were, we were there. It almost sealed the deal, but he couldn't make it down. He's had a young baby. He's got a young family. He's getting back into his boxing. It was hard get. But Dave, if you can ever make it down, we'd love to have you in the club. Having a baby, a new baby, it takes a little bit of time. We'll give him some lenience. Yeah. You know, fighters, we think of them as being superhuman, but turns out, we're all big softies as well. Mm. We want to be home with the kids. Bring the little baby Betty down here, though. Like um, CBS brought his, brought his little one in. Didn't he make, did. Didn't make a racket. Right, don't tell everyone. Yeah, we it's a crash. We don't actually want... Yeah, Ross is great with kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you're a boxer with a young child and you're struggling where, where to put it well, during, you're in, while you're in the gym, bring him down here. Talking to young kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of children... Nah, that's not even a good segue, nah. but it was, I mean, it, it nearly there. We're going to talk about Eddie Hearn, who's the son of someone, but then so is everyone in the world. But Eddie Hearn, the son of Barry. Talk, yeah, talking to kids in boxing, <laughs> Eddie Hearn. He was, just like Dave Allen, one of our biggest, toppest targets. And for a moment there, George, we thought that he didn't fancy it. You had to doorstep him. Yeah, I did. I, I, I leaned on him. Physically. Co- cornered him at uh, Anthony Joshua Public way in a Westfields shopping centre and obviously geographically it's the wrong side of London for him so I think he did feel the pressure yeah. of the West you London had, You massive. had him on your, yeah, yeah, on your on turf. turf but Eddie Hearn lent on him I said mate you come on the show he said of course I said you better send us a note to the voice note to the group and this is kind of how I'm trying to trap people now Yeah, no one can say no to your face you say well send us, send us a note to the lads to say you're coming on they do and we just put it out in the show. Yeah, and Eddie Hearn is never, he's true to his word. So that was what we needed first when it was the word. And then we know that he never ducks a question. But the problem we had, George, is that Eddie Hearn does a zillion interviews a week. We know that. So it's like, well, what do we speak to him about that isn't just what he always speaks about? So we've settled on, we're going to get into it now with him, with, with big Eddie Hearn, the Hitman Hearn. Eddie the Hitman Hearn. Should we get him in? Let's get him in. What Let's a get moment. Him on. Let's, Let's get him in. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today, we have someone who's put on some of the biggest fights in world boxing, from Anthony Joshua to Canelo Alvarez. George Groves. Oh, and George Groves, yeah. <laughs> well, I get you, yeah. Uh, he's the man behind the madness. It's the chairman of Matrim Sport, Eddie Hearn. Eddie, thanks for coming on the no show, problem. mate. It's been a while, isn't it? Thanks I was sort of a bit overdue, club. really. Yeah. You know. Mate, I've seen you on so many things. Other I even yours. see you in the gym I, the other day. I, I was like, what? They, what's, what's wrong with us? Do you know what? I had to do it on yours because I thought they'll start thinking I'm swerving it or being, you know, offending them. So, yeah, most people just tell me, like, like the guys just say you're doing this this week this week some real random podcasts but I'm nice to be talking boxing yeah. with you boys the problem we've got here is you obviously talk for a living mm. so we're like how do we not just cover old ground that you've spoken about a hundred times before so what are we talking about George well I want to talk about fans right because in my lifetime in boxing you're the one who's as a promoter has had the, the biggest rise I just want to I think it's a fascinating subject I mean it's engaging for everyone who listens because essentially they're fans you say boxing is that sport where fans have have almost the best access to everyone involved in the in the boxing world. There's so much content being put out. They want to know what your perceptions are, how you build a fan base, how you maintain a fan base. What do you look for in fighters? How do they build a fan base? Are you part of that? They're obviously the fans, which essentially our listeners are all boxing fans for the most part. They're your customers, mm. aren't they? Is that how you see them? And has, has it been like that since day dot in boxing yeah, for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to you know, be too solemn, but like, it's, boxing's very frustrating because the fans are without question the most opinionated in any sport. You have the casual fans who have an opinion on everything when there's a big fight, which is great. You have the hardcore fans who are, have an opinion on everything. And then you have this much smaller minority who are almost like the sick in the head fans who got borderline on trolls, do you know what I mean? Who literally like what they like and then abuse everything else right and you see them pop up all the time some of them are undoubtedly actually people within the industry who have multiple accounts and stuff like that that's what you're up <laughs> that's what you're up against like all the time but the great thing about boxing is the passion that people have to convey their opinions and watch and debate and enjoy the downside of that is you have to put up with the positivity and the negativity. And the negativity that you see always outweighs the positivity. Like even if it's 10% negativity, that'll feel like 90% to you sometimes when you're so passionate about something. So you have to be extremely durable out of the ring 
to roll with the opinions of fans over the years. And actually, not just for me, fighters as well now, right? Because every fan has an opinion of a fighter and they don't mind letting them know. And it's very difficult because a lot of fighters struggle with the opinions of fans when they work so hard and it means so much to them. Some of them can't handle the criticism and you see fans come out going, oh, you know, and they, they sometimes comment about it and that's something they need to kind of move away from and just accept. You're not going to be able to please everybody all the time. But with me over the years, like a lot of stuff that happened, you know, when George was fighting and Carl was fighting, some of the stick that I get now might not have been able to ride it out back then as well as I can now. Now it's just like literally bullets just pinging off you because you lose a bit of emotion, which is a bit sad really because you've got to be real. And I look at people like Aram and Warren and think they're great survivors. I mean, they didn't live in a social media world, which helps because my old man always says, we used to do a show and just go, that was a great show, wasn't it? And then just go for a curry. And, and get pissed. Whereas <laughs> now I finish a show, I'm up till five o'clock in the morning reading opinions. And the next, do you really? Yeah, I do. I do because it's what I do. It's but not that why, I'm. Fast- why do you do that then? Because and it is probably a weakness, but it's also what Dex said earlier. They're my customers. And I know that sometimes social media opinion is not necessarily even people's actual opinion. But what got me to the position I'm in is opening myself up to the fan base via social media and through interviews. And I feel like I can't just... Scott Hamilton said to me the other day, should I just take over your Twitter account? I thought, cool, that would give me more time. It would probably improve my mood. But I always said to myself, I'll never... I I see promoters, you know, tweeting, oh, this week we've got... Obviously, it's not them. And I just thought, I don't know. It may be something in time, but I'm my own biggest critic. You know, and I've never really done a show. Sometimes I do a show and go, well, that was great. But I've never walked away from a show feeling a hundred percent satisfied. Like even when Is that because you're anticipating what you're going to be reading online Drew after or Maybe that- or I know what's coming on Monday. As good as this feels right now, you're gonna have problems next week. It used to be a lot more fun. But all over those years, George, when we did our fights, I didn't really didn't I didn't really know what I was doing. It was just the journey was so fresh. It's a bit like same with you when you start out fighting and you're, you know, down at amateur boxing club and you you're out making your pro debut and you win a, Don't get me wrong, when you get to world title level in the big fights, it's a different kind no, of No, I know world, what you mean. It? You know, it's so, not as quite as fun as no, your third fight. Exactly. But that's the that's the stage with every job. And then you get to a point it will be the same in my career where I just won't enjoy it as much anymore. And the same as when you're a fighter, once you start losing that enjoyment, you lose the hunger and the passion and then you're doing it for money. And we see that so much now with boxing. And I, the most enjoyment I get out of boxing is seeing young fighters come through and being part of that journey and the emotion where it means so much. The money's always important, but almost before that point where it's like, Honestly, I don't even know what my purse, like, I just, this is my chance. I've got a chance tonight to fulfill a lifelong dream. And then after that, it becomes only about the money, which I fully understand it's a business, but that does take enjoyment out of it. I have a love for boxing and it's been with me for eight or nine years old. I have a love for this business, but it drains the life out of you. I mean, you know, it's, everybody knows that, but I still have an unbelievable passion. You know, the other bullshit, the criticism, you know, the media, the YouTube, like the, that's the downside, but it's fine. You, and over the years, you just, you just roll with it. But when you're talking about building a fan base, the most difficult thing now for fighters is being relevant. Fighters at the moment are so lucky, and George will know this because I, you know, I talked to Bell, you and Froch about it. Fighters are getting six figures, well beyond six figures, to fight or challenge for the British title, and they have no fan base. They're not selling any tickets. They're not really driving viewership at all. But the market has become so competitive with the broadcasters 
that you're overpaying fighters. And that's where you got to be smart in our position to say, don't let the ego, you know, when you lose a fighter, you think, I can't afford to lose. You know, you say you can't afford to lose him. Why? For your own ego? Like, look at it from a blank canvas. The value of this fighter tickets that he'll move in the arena personally and through the box office the viewership on sky or the zone what is the true value of that fire i know what it is i know what every value of a fire is why are you paying 4x that because you don't want to lose him to someone else i never like saying a fire is overpaid but the reality is when you look at the balance sheet they have a value yeah and mm. you can't but the problem is and not the problem the good thing is is you've got the zone you've got bt you've got sky they're all doing it they're all overpaying fighters. It's fantastic for the fighters. I can't believe the money fighters are making now. What was it to fight for the British title? 15 grand, 20 grand, 25 grand. It was that range, wasn't it? Now, I mean, the fighters are getting six figures for their professional debut. But good luck to them. I don't mind, mind it at the same time. But everything's about having a balanced mind. The minute you start making decisions based on ego or emotion in anything, doesn't matter if you're running a business, doesn't matter if you're fighting. Once you start fighting on emotion, you're going to make mistakes. And, and that's the key, you know, a balanced mind and a calm mind. And I see now, coming up, I was like making people make bad decisions through emotion. Did it to Frank all the time, Aram in America, all these people, our aggressiveness and, and my ego really affected the decisions they were making. So now I've got to make sure that I stay balanced because, you know, the circle of life is evolving. This life's not for everyone. That's why I do respect Warren and Aaron because they've ridden it out over the years. Like you can't really, can't run them down. And when I came in, Warren tried to run me down so bad. People won't see what happened behind the scenes, you know, the legal letters, the court case, like, and it's just their aim is to break you. He won't be able to handle it. He won't be able to take the heat. But I was from a different cloth to what he thought I was. Some people will come in and I can see them and I think, you're not about this life. You, you, you won't be able to ride this out. So you got to kind of stay jovial with it and just try and enjoy it. What does that do for your relationship with your customer base who are based on emotion? That's why they pay the money because mm. the emotion that boxing generates. Yeah, the key is value for money. The key is excitement and the key is putting on good cards. One of the problems about overpaying fighters, it limits the ability to make good matchups for them because you haven't got a budget for the opponent. And now the opponents are also costing a lot of money. So when you're building a fighter, it's so difficult because you're paying that fighter now an overinflated price in terms of the real commercial value. You've got an opponent now wants, I mean, a good example is not our fighter, but let's, let's take Fraser Clark. So he got a fantastic deal. You know, they come to us and said, look, this is our deal. What do you think? And I said to him, mate, bite their hand off. We should say Fraser Clark with Sky Sports, yes. Boxer and yeah, so yeah, yeah. So Sports, yeah. the money that he's getting for six rounders, which is what we talked about earlier, three times what you used to get time for a British title. But all of a sudden, those guys who have to fight him, want 20 or 30 grand themselves other heavyweights mm. to fight Fraser Clark because they know he's on a big contract and they know he was a good amateur and then next thing when you move up to eight rounds the bloke wants 60 grand but you only want to spend 20 grand so therefore you make a shit fight to save money and it kind of goes against the whole cycle of, of what you're trying to do. Build a fighter, give him the right learning fights, entertain the crowd a little bit. So when people overspend, what you see is shit cards because the A side's making a load of money and they don't have a budget for the B side. You have to be ruthless at times with managers and trainers and agents and say, no, that's unacceptable. And you will run the risk of losing fighters. But if you don't do it, you will run the risk of losing your fan base and the ability to sell and have a reputation for good shows. And George has worked with fighters. He'll know 
every trainer, every manager, every agent will want the easiest fight possible for the most amount of money. As a manager and trainer, you have to be willing it just enough risk that actually it won't be detrimental to the development of a fighter. You're negotiating all the time. The negotiation process starts in six rounders. The whole sport is so frustrating, but you have to be more ruthless with those people. You don't want to get people beat. And you, you we would never do that anyway. But at least Some have someone throwing something back. At least build something on paper where I can go out on Instagram and say, wow, our prospect's stepping up this week. You know, this time he's fighting a guy who's six and one from Spain. And, you know, because that's the hard part. And, and what's happening now, where it's getting harder, is cost of living's going up. People are less willing to put their hand in their pocket. One of the tough things for British promoters, and it's great, is that the boxing audience in the UK, are very well educated and local fighters now are seeing ticket sales diminishing fighters used to do three four five hundred at local shows right when they made their debut now it's more like 80 100 150 because people aren't willing anymore to spend the money and travel one of the things and this is partly our fault but is that development of the sport where fans are smarter they'll come out we see it all the time average show average ticket sales shit show shit ticket sales Good show, sell out. They understand that. I mean, that's the difference between me as a promoter. When you're talking about fighters, fighters now have to be smart. They have to do something different. They have to work on their social media. They need to attend everything. It's so frustrating for us as a promoter. We'll have an open workout. Phone goes. Same, same kind of people have to, oh, he can't make it because he's, uh, you know, there's a, 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 a way in and, you know, because the trainer will say to him, hey, you're not doing that workout. Mate, you got a graft. You got to go to cinema viewings. You got. You should be at every show. You know. I always say to our fighters, you should come to every show. Be there. Do the media. See those YouTube outlets that we talk about. Any one of those would do an interview with any fighter at any time. As a manager, get your guy. Phone those outlets. Right. Say to the fighter on Tuesday night. I need two hours of your time. You're going to do a Zoom with five or six. It's boxing social, IFL uh, seconds out, ID boxing, whoever it is. They'll do it like that. It's not difficult. It's just work, and you have to work beyond that as a team to push your name out there. And and a lot of fighters don't. They just don't put the work in. They expect the money. You know, I've had multiple fighters sit in this office. So I don't feel like I'm really getting the exposure. That's because you didn't want to commentate the other day. You didn't want to go to the show. You know, our PR team got you this, I don't know, red carpet. You didn't want to go. Will they be able to build a fan base with just that stuff, Eddie? Or do they have to have a fight, a substantial fight? Because just when I was fighting, I could tell the difference from when I have the DeGale fight, I have the Frotch fight. The traction that's formed because of that fight, I'd be, I'd, I'd jump a level. I wondered like how much me Media, what I've done, would it have mattered? Is it always essentially down? They have to have the fight well, to build the brand, yeah. to build the well, fan what base. what it is, you're building that moment for those fights, right, essentially. So on the way up, as you know, I mean, you were good enough amateur. You had enough ability where your career wasn't solely dependent on the tickets that you would shift per fight. But you also knew if you sold more tickets, you get more opportunities. So that's important for that process. I mean, you look at someone like... I mean, Johnny Fish is a bit of a phenomenon. All of a sudden, he boxed at the O2 and did 800 tickets like one night. And we were like, what? And then next thing, he's doing nearly 2,000 in Sheffield and a six-rounder. He's a bit of a phenomenon, but how? what is it? What is he doing? It's an interaction with the public. Something different. It's like a, a mix of everything brought together. His dad together. helps as well. His dad, him, Essex, us. Uni like, as well, right? In Exeter, was it? Yeah, so he had, Uni like, and Exeter. And then like sales 
which all of this is, right, is about a transfer of emotions. So if I'm selling you a ticket to a fight or I'm selling you a photocopy, whatever it is, I need to transfer my emotions to you where it gives you that feeling. You go, oh, like, and that's the same with Johnny. They're not even trying to sell, but the fans are watching it. The fans are going, oh, he's funny, but yeah, I feel good. You know, it's just something inside. You go, I like this. I want to be part of this. I'm going to go. That's how you decide to buy a ticket. And sometimes it's, oh, I suppose I better go and support him. Not interested in that. We need the ones that have the feeling because they, they bring the energy. So with you, going back to your question, you need to build to that moment because otherwise when you get to that moment, you're not big enough to capitalize on it. And you see a lot of fighters that aren't built correctly on the way up. Sometimes it's the fault of the promoter. Sometimes the individual just doesn't have enough personality. Whatever. So when they get to the top and they start achieving, they go, oh, I must be getting a couple of mil here. And as a promoter, you have to say, no, because your profile is just not big enough. All of a sudden, you're a world champion. We can't sell 4,000 at the O2. So the building process on the way up is so important. Like you imagine Johnny Fisher. I mean, if Johnny Fisher fights for the Southern Area title, he could sell out the Copper Box. If he fought for the British title, he could sell out the O2. Do you reckon? 100%. Don't forget, British heavyweight title. We talk about Fraser Clark and Fabio Waldi. All of a sudden, these are actually quite big fights. You imagine that it was Johnny Fisher against, I don't know, David Adelaide, whatever it was at the O2. That sells out the O2. When you fought De Gale, you weren't a massive name when you fought De Gale. But when all those eyes were on you, all of a sudden, everyone went, who's this kid? Like a lot of the casuals would go, who's this bloke? You know, you're there on ringside. Remember those great days with the gal? And the two of you were just brilliant. The people that knew you were still on board, but you brought in this massive... The only way you become a star, start having pay-per-view fights and actually making millions, is to bring in that casual audience. You know, I've got a couple of group chats on my phone of my mates who don't really follow boxing. And every now and again, ping, it'll come up. Oh, see that? You know, but with you, those clips go on ringside. You imagine all those group chats around the country going, you seen that George Groves geezer and James DeGale going at it? Oh, here's a clip. Boom. And that clip's going to 2 million group chats around the country. Next thing, 10 million people are watched it in this country. But actually that comes down to, George, more personality. Like you can't really become a star if you just don't have something about you. You know, and your personality was more, you were bright, but you were passionate and you were willing to engage and debate and back yourself at all times. Like when we go back to the fight with Frotch, the first fight, it was just hilarious. You just rocked up, right, without really a team. And you just had it in your head that it was you against the world. I remember so I said to the guys, how's Groves getting up here? And they're like, I think he's just popping on a train. And, and then it's everybody's job and to build that. You're, selling a, you're telling a story. And that was the story of the fight. You know, the famous picture with Frotch with about 20 people behind him and you just standing there. You know, that's what the fight was built off. And then it was the way that that fight unfolded. He's the victim, right? So he becomes even more popular. It's just a constant story unfolding. But to make a great story, you need great actors or you need great characters is a better word to play those parts. And like any film, if you've got the wrong person to play that character or that character, it doesn't work. You see it all the time. Some of it's car crash, but at least they're trying. But when they get it right, and that's why like you, the guy, I mean, we really miss that era. Yeah. Boxing's become so serious now. Sport in general, where you take sometimes the yeah. characters out of sport because it's quite robotic. I remember that, that after the first fight, having the fans, so we're talking about fans, fans on my side, Carl sat down next to me at the end and I thought, he might say something that suits me and he did straight away. <laughs> and then it was- You mean at the- Post fight. The post fight, sitting on the ring apron, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. sort of, I thought, if he says there's a fair stoppage, that'll be good. If he's, oh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he says, I don't know, I need to run with this. The battle I had there was trying to keep fans 
away from you, Eddie, because yeah. you was popular. Eddie was popular. Eddie was the one at that you point. You really started like- my downfall with the fans. <laughs> <laughs> that was a start. Was like yeah, a yeah, was. We had a meeting. We had a meeting. I was still working. I was still at Adam Booth as a manager. And it was before you had the deal with Sky or the exclusive deal with Sky. It would have been nice to have known that was going to happen. <laughs> you never told me you was going to get that. Uh, and that might have changed my mind about the, the course that I went down. Yeah, you had a meteoric rise from, say, there signing Kelbrook, Frotch, Darren Barker. We get to um, the fight with Frotch. It was, for me, it was a battle there. And then with, I need to keep this public opinion, these fans on my side. It's going to be easy with Frotch, but it's going to be harder with Eddie. And lots of my thought process was about, it was still me versus everyone, me versus you at that point. But as well, wanting to be on good terms with you as best you can, assuming we're going to end up working together with the rematch. But how to manage the public opinion, how to manage the fans. Can you remember anything about yeah, that point? Yeah, I mean, you were really good at that. You were one of the best to do that because you were quite slippery is the wrong word. That's all right. But no, that, it's yeah. more like- no, but you were. Um, Think back to the conversations you had in this room yeah, back and then. And slippery, not, not, obviously. No, no, away, not slippery. Yeah. no, but I'm talking about in this. No, the fact that you've even said that shows- it's not a, a manipulation, it's not but it's smart. No, it's smart. Mm. And the problem people have with me and fighters who, like I say, if we fall out with a fighter, they get frustrated that because of the amount that I'm speaking to the media and to the fans, you can't live with that. So there's no point trying to out-talk me out. Because I can always, he can say something, he can go to bed and then I can phone Coogan at two in the morning and go, come on Zoom now, do an interview. And he'll wake up in the morning and go, fuck me, what? And, and then we are talk about breaking you. You, As a fighter, he's, one of his biggest weaknesses was, and it was also one of his greatest strengths, was that he thought that he could do a lot of it on his own. And he was bright enough to do a lot of it on his own. And he might not have got to where he got to without doing it on his own. But my engine's just nonstop. And that's just what I do. He's got a train. He's got a fight. He's got a spa. I haven't. I've just got to sit there and plot. So when he's sparring, he could be training, going to sleep, resting during the day. And I'm just doing 24 interviews. The difficulty, he did a good job in that respect. I never held it against him, but he definitely turned the boxing. That was probably the first fight for me where the fans started to look at me and go, this guy's become almost too big. So like he's running boxing. So then the casual fans come in. And I remember I got untold abuse about that fight. They blame me for Howard Foster's stoppage. He's put him up to this. And you, he would he said a lot of stuff. Same sort of thing. Oh, it's Matt, you know, Matt Trim, Eddie, you know, it's almost like he's bunged Howard Foster. That's what people Did genuinely you? think. You? <laughs> <laughs> people would genuinely Excuse think. You've seen a lot of stoppages lately. You ain't got to bung him. But, but he's a good, he, Howard Foster's been around a long time. But when you do it's so many- like now. Yeah. <laughs> but when you've done so many fights, you're going to make sometimes late, sometimes early, et cetera, but whatever. People genuinely thought we employ the referee. Like that's the frustration of dealing with the casual world. It's like, well, it's Eddie Earns referee, isn't it? It's like, you do know that we actually don't pick the referees. Of course you do. Like, it's almost like you are bo- you own boxing. Like, so, and that's been the difficulty. When, and George knows when you're on the rise, everyone's, this is a thing with our country, isn't it? We love George Groves. You know, he actually probably become less popular when he won a world title. And that's, look at Frank Bruno. He's probably the greatest example ever. Good old Frank. He's not quite good enough, you know, but we love him. Wins a world title. Oh, he's won a world title. Oh, well done, Frank. Oh, Tim Henman. 
saying we love Tim Henman because he actually has no chance of winning Wimbledon at all. Andy Murray goes out, wins Wimbledon. Hmm. You know, that that's what you and, and that fight was kind of the turning point of me having to realise it's not people patting me on the back anymore, going, love what you're doing for British boxing. It's you become a bit big, you have. You're controlling this thing now. I don't like you. You're up to something. And he done a great job to make people think. And that was him playing the victim of, and he probably was the victim at the time, of Oh, I'm out here on my own. I've got no promoter. I've got no promoter. And I'm up against Eddie Hearn. And he's got every, he's got boxing on lock. So he does, and that's why probably, I'm not saying that he paid Howard Foster, but you know, you've got to think Matchroom so powerful can, you know, the importance of that with a board. And he's very smart at the, the way he was playing it. And then I said off camera, I'll probably talk about now is the making of the second fight was probably the most exciting, difficult maneuver and triangle around people of my career really and it was probably the fight that took us to where we are now in some aspects I'm sure we would have got there but that was definitely the moment where I was going out looking at these venues I mean straight after that Manchester fight I was in contact with all the stadiums you know and I remember going to Wembley and I just walked out and I phoned my old man and I went I'm at Wembley he went Ed I remember doing Eubank against Watson great fight the first fight controversial the second fight I thought this is massive Massive. We went from Earl's Court to White Hart Lane. He said, we sold 15,000 tickets. It was a disaster. He said, don't think this fight is bigger than what it is. It's still Carl Froch against George Groves. That's what he said to me. I said, no. Nah. I said, I've seen the reaction online. I said, honestly, I believe we'll... Ed, he goes, if you go to Wembley and you do thirty or 40,000, he said, which would still be an unbelievable achievement, it will look shit and it will be a disaster. I said, no, there's something about Wembley. In the background, everything's going on. He's appealing to the IBF. He don't really want to have a conversation with me. Frotch has gone off radar, off piste, because he knows I want the fight bad. And he knows in his head he's doing a rematch. Don't really want to do it because don't want the confrontation, don't want the aggravation, don't like him, but too big to ignore. So I'm in the middle of it. All of a sudden, other promoters are coming in. Strange people that we've never even heard of before offering money for the fight. And I didn't really know what I was doing, which was so exciting. At what Again, point did you realise that? Or was it just a... Well, I didn't know what I was yeah. doing. I've been winging it for years. <laughs> but it was... I'm very was good it at just, it. just it got so big, the size of the fight and the, the stadium yeah. and that, and you're like... Well, but I've always been a good salesman, a good deal maker, and I've got a ton of common sense. Streetwise smart for my upbringing because of, I'm my old man's son. So I'm very good at talking to all kinds of different people. We go back to that balanced mind. This was impossible to get a balanced mind because as calm and as sort of strategic as George wanted to be, he was also working off a lot of emotion. Not as much as Frotch, but Frotch was, Frotch wouldn't pick up the phone to me. I'm, I'm going to Dubai, leave me alone. I'm having my time, my family. We ain't got time, mate. He was going for an appeal with the IBF. I said, we need to, you know, no, no, no. People are emailing Carl. He's sending them on to me. This bloke's offered me 10 million for this. Going back to boxing, random people offering money for a fight. Never done a fight before. I'll put it on. Yeah, I've got, I've spoke to someone at ITV. They're up for it. I'm thinking, this is, this is out of control. So that deal was such an important deal. And there were so many different moving parts. But the key to that was, is that both fighters knew we needed to, to do this deal. Then all of a sudden, when it was ordered, you know, there was two sides to that when he won his appeal. That fucked me because we have to take the fight. The ruling fucked him a little bit because he had to take the same split that was originally ordered. But then at the same time, that doesn't help me too much because he could just go, all right, we'll go to Perspid and see. But he kind of knew, obviously, if he offers me a percentage well above that ordered split, 
that looks like a better deal. Then Frotch is going to me, don't offer him a percent more than what the IBF have ordered. Honestly, it's backwards. In the end, I had to phone Carl's hotel room six o'clock in the morning because he weren't picking up his mobile or emails or anything. And Rachel picked up the phone and said, I need to speak to Carl. And I could hear him. I could imagine Carl in the background going, I'm not here. I'm not. And she's like, and she's like Carl, Eddie's on the phone. Uh, he was like, you know, and he come on and we, we, we managed to have a chat. But that's a great example when people talk about Obviously, I do, and promoters get a lot of the blame. You have to deal. Like, I, I wasn't really working off emotion at that time. I wanted to make the fight. I knew this was the fight to make, but you have to work with the other people. And in that instance, the great thing about that instance was I was dealing with George and I was dealing with Carl. I wasn't dealing with no Frank Warren, Bob Arum. You, you got to tick off the box of going through these people to get it done. Whereas this was quite unique. He had a lawyer, but other than that, really, he was making all the decisions. It was a great time. Did it rejig your in your head the size of the market in the UK? Because obviously 80,000 people bought tickets and people bought them real quick, didn't they? Yeah. And obviously there's this clamor for it outside of what you might have imagined the market it, to be like. It was a complete one-off where you look, I mean, we talk about the AJ era of fans. Like I was talking to someone down at BBC Wales. I said, oh, do you think you'll ever come back to Millennium Stadium? And then I was thinking to myself, my God, I did a fight with AJ against Carlos Takam at the Millennium Stadium and we'd done 80,000 tickets. I then did AJ against Joseph Parker and we'd done another 80,000. That was in Wales. Like, that's so unique. We'll never see that again. But their fight did 80,000 without there being that market or that blueprint. So really, it just goes to show you, and there's never, never been anything like that since outside of AJ. You know, Fury, but you talk about huge name world heavyweight champions. So that just goes to show you it exists if you get it right. And that was when boxing wasn't even that hot. It wasn't like AJ was around and, and people were used to going to stadium fights. That was just him and people falling in love with him and his story, the good guy against the bad guy, which was Frotch. Now, in the build up to that fight, people's opinions started to change because all of a sudden he started getting more exposure. He was getting a bit big for his boots. Some people are like, actually, no. You know, there was a bit of a swing. He was still a popular guy. Don't tell Frotch. But there was a little bit of, no, actually, Frotch is like, this bloke's a bit too big for his boots now. I do think that George took that to another level, not just playing that role, but I think, just opinion, that was what you felt you needed to do. And you, you become very powerful in your own career at that time because you were really the sole decision maker. You know what I mean? A lot of the time, I would keep Carl from stuff. The, the one thing you did that really got under Carl's skin was you stuck it on him. And he felt very disrespected that this guy, especially a British fighter, it's another reason it's very hard to make domestic fights once a fighter gets to a certain level because they don't want to give a young British fighter the chance to beat me after what I've done. And he was actually quite insulted that George didn't come and say, well, I'm fighting Carl Froch. Like, and that really got under his skin. So I kept Carl, especially for the second fight, away from everything. And he was such a unique fighter. Like, he really lacked confidence, Carl, quite amazingly. Like, I mean, once he was in there, he never lacked nothing. But I remember the afternoon of that fight, he was renting a place in, I think it made a veil or something like that. And I went around there and I, before every fight, I would give it, I would, we would, I would literally give him a pep talk. I remember before the Yusuf Mack fight, he was going to me, he's good, this guy, you know, I saw his fight with oh, Chad Dawson, <sighs> tricky Southpaw. I'm like, mate, you are going to smash him to smithereens two rounds in all over. And the afternoon of his fight, I remember sitting on the couch with him in that apartment and he's like, what do you think? What do I think? Don't like having that conversation with a fighter. You know, you're fighting in four hours. What do you think to this fight tonight? I'm like, mate, you're going to go out there. You know, you had him in trouble last time. You're going you're gonna to knock him out. 
I mean, too strong too, like just pumping up. And you'd come out and think, oh, but that was Carl, you know? He was a real one-off where you'd think someone that goes in there and fights like that was just like, I'm going to go in there. And that fear actually made him the fighter. Yeah, he, 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 he fights like that. He, fight, he doesn't fight scared because he doesn't shy away or, or bottle it in the slightest, but it's almost like, you know, when you get a, a cat sort of trapped in the corner and at some point it's going to lash out and take your face off. Uh, that was that kind of frotch. Gunsling or punch from the yeah. hip. You know, dangerous. That was interesting. Thanks, yeah. Yeah. Lord, I didn't no, know. Just, yeah. Well, they're, they're some of the f- best memories of my career, really. You know, like before, like I said, before it got out of control and it's like every week, in another country around the world, which is what we've always wanted and where I wanted to get to. But back then, just like, we had like four people working for us, five people. We've got like 60 people. That's worldwide what I thought you were trying to park up here. Well, I was I know, like, it I used know. to be three cars in I the know. car park. Well, it was me, John Wishausen, and Frank Smith. Mm. That's how we started boxing. Now it's literally we eight. tees. <laughs> me, Frank. man. Me, Frank. <laughs> well, Frank back then. Now he's running everything. He just comes in and goes, just let you know. He just popped up. Like, you know, I was in Malaysia last week. It looks like we could be doing a show out there. And uh, I'm, I'm going to Abu Dhabi tomorrow and Saudi. I'm like, oh, right, great. Enjoy your time. You know, They just wheel me out now to press conferences because one thing he can't do is speak. Let's move on then. Mention there with DAZN and how you are all over the world now, but what it means for your relationship with the fans, because as we know, Sky, when you were on Sky and your boxing was on Sky, therefore on Sky Sports News, it's just a bit more in the public mm. consciousness for ordinary non-boxing fans as well. DAZN, obviously the exact opposite of that mm. as an app that you have to subscribe for. How does that change the way you can market to people and try and furnish the fans? Well, when we were at Sky, they really weren't doing or making the effort that they're making now on boxing, which is kind of like a, quite flattering to me because this is almost like a personal revenge on me. Well, I'm going to do this. And <laughs> like now all of a sudden you've got fighters popping up on Sky Sports News who are fighting for the English title. And I'm thinking, oh, that's random, but that's great, by the way. And that's what we're up against. We don't have the same reach of Sky from a UK broadcaster perspective. But what we do have is a huge promotional powerhouse reach behind our digital and social activity, particularly mine as well. And we have to use that to make up the difference. From a global perspective, we're on another level because we have so much more reach and viewership and eyeballs, but that doesn't appeal to everyone. And I think that's what we're up against now is, you know, our big selling point, as George said, we would go and we'd say, we're on Sky. Do you know what I mean? And some of the time actually it was irrelevant, but it was also you know, to the fighter important and it would, you know, you would have more presence to now other people saying, oh, there's not as many people watching the zone and we're on Sky. But I've been there and like a lot of those fighters that are now signing with Sky boxed there their whole career and it didn't really do anything from a profile point of view. You know, we're back on Sky or you boxed your whole career on Sky. But we had to look at the move, obviously for us as a business, for the fighters. That move that we've made has quadrupled fighter purses four fighters in Britain. It's a great thing for them and it's made things more competitive. Would have been easy for me just to sit there with ambition to just dominate the UK market for years, do another five-year deal for Sky. But I had an opportunity with broadcasters to say, right, you're also going to do a new three-year deal in America. We want you to do six shows a year in Mexico, Australia, Italy, Spain. And that has always been my ambition is to take this business, take the sport global. I want to be the biggest and we're the only global boxing promotional company in the world. And I want to be the biggest of all time. I want to dominate the sport globally. And to do that, sometimes you have to make moves 
that in its infancy over the first two or three years will take time. Same with America. Probably had a wrong strategy. I don't know. You know, it was just my way of upsetting everybody. Five years in after the reset, we're actually in a great position. We're extremely profitable. DAZN as a platform, especially after Saturday, just has huge number of subscriber base in America. It's now the business of DAZN is making money in America. We're doing new longer term deals. We've got the right fighters doing the right numbers without coming in and doing a PBC of saying, which we did when we launched. Yeah, we're going to give you five million. And then the show bombs. And I think that doesn't work. But again, that's where you've got to take the ego out. We've got Canelo Alvarez. He's our flagship fighter in America. Thank you very much. AJ over here. And you build the other stars to the point where they're going to be there. And, and we understand the subscriber base in America. But I needed to have a global look. And the only way I could do that was with the zone. You're probably the best cutout for this new platform of boxing, DAZN, which is online. So if you go online, you get so much more traction, DAZN shows, should we say, than Sky shows. But the other side of that, if it's not online, then it's usually Sky that people were talking about. And you going online is where you get a lot of fan interaction. Yeah, our greatest strength is our digital interaction. I mean, if you look at DAZN's digital numbers, like for fights, they're huge. The YouTube channel is huge. You know, you, you look at highlights and stuff like that, it's much bigger than actually Sky Sports' platform. Fighters aren't sometimes clever enough to really understand, clever is a bad word, but sort of complex enough to understand the value. Like that's the same numbers. Just because there's 40% more people watching on Sky, if there's 40% more people watching digitally on zone, it doesn't change. But the way that some people are built is, Oh yeah, but it's on you know, the YouTube views on DAZN. Are they, is that the same as the view? Yeah, they're all the same. It's just numbers are numbers. And digitally, because of the lack of presence that we have across Sky Sports News and stuff like that, we have to do more digitally. We need to create more content. We need to tell that story through the digital world and through DAZN's digital world, rather than trying to put a fighter on Soccer AM, kicking a thing, which is great for the fighter. They love that. But actually... Especially if yours went in, didn't it? Yeah, but... I hear the crossbar. Yeah, yeah. But for a fighter, that's great. I'm on Soccer AM. Actually, if you look at the viewership and the numbers, there's a lot more you can be doing in a digital sense in terms of content, but it's perception. We've done more and we're doing more digitally online. And that leads to more interaction. So I spend so much of my day on social media because I know that's how we're interacting with a fan base. I've got 1.3 million followers. That's so powerful. Brings us very nicely onto this question, which is the real reason we're here. How do we build our fan base for this podcast? Just have me on, really. <laughs> that was step yeah. one. I mean, everything's like talent, not just saying it. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the he thing sent is- He me right back to Wembley. <laughs> like, <laughs> I learned off George Rowe. He's looking around with his scarf yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, if we go to Wembley and a fighter's on that doesn't really interest anyone, people aren't going to tune in. If there's a fighter on that you're engaged with or you like or you've heard of, and that's the same, you're in a world where in boxing, your podcast, great. You talk about boxing, people want to, you know, and you've got George, which is important. I don't know if anyone knows you, Deck, doubt it. But like people, <laughs> enough people, George, George has got enough of a profile where, but George also pops up every now and again, does his appearance, but he's kind of low key, you know, other than doing Not those anymore. silly dinners with Froch, you know, but you are relying a lot of the time on who's on. 
and you can get too nerdy. You can get too intrinsic in the industry where it's like, oh, we're going to get this guy on. He's derives the stats for punch something. And that's really interesting because we're going to talk about, yeah, it's really interesting for about 1% of the audience. Do you think when we go back to those WhatsApp conversations, my mates are going to be messaging me going, do you know what? I listened to the Deck and George Groves podcast. And they were talking about punch stats and like, but we love those conversations, but we also just got to be smarter to know that, no, and sometimes you'd have to get guests on where that hardcore audience might cringe a little bit. The thing with us with the zone, what we've realised is every boxing fan has the zone in this country. What's the number? Do you think? I can't. I mean, Not, you know, I don't want to subscribe the <laughs> number, but what's the size of the hardcore market? You're talking about two or three hundred thousand. You know they're in. Yeah, obviously need, not. On your, all obviously them. not on your podcast. Yeah, we but, need all of them. Do you know what I'm saying? So every fight fan has the zone. Honestly, and, and I know we get steep, but let's be honest. Like you look at the schedule, you look at the quality of fights. Like it's, it's value. If you're a long-term subscriber, you know you're paying eight ninety-nine a month. If you're coming and going, it's just like buying a pay-per-view. The more and more you realise how important that hardcore base is to the business. When I was with Sky, I never really wanted to please that hardcore as much as I do now because they're so important to the design model. And see that base. It has done over the years. That 300,000 used to be 100,000, used to be 50,000. And as people have become more interested and educated about boxing, they've become boxing fans. Not very hardcore, but boxing fans. And that's what you need. You build a podcast of boxing fans. You know the boxing fans listen, but you need to build that, engage with the educated boxing fans. And then every now and again, you know, but your, your stuff's different to mine. I need big events that just all of a sudden, bang. So yours is about growth. Every now and again, you'll do a podcast that will do massive numbers, this one. And then all of a sudden, you'll go back and you'll do the bloke from the punch stats and you'll think, fuck, we shouldn't have done that one, you know. But we do that with shows all the time. You know, we do AJ, sells out massive numbers, and then we do a show, think... Probably shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have chose that opponent. It didn't really work, mm. you know? We were reading the comments though after and there'll all be amazing comments about the punch stats. Yeah. yeah and then obviously, yeah. and then your you'll one, get hammered. you'll get hammered. But comment, <laughs> but, yeah, total. Oh, he's arrogant. He's this. But, but <laughs> where's, where's the Ben? Where's this? Yeah. But then the other thing is, is actually because zone is more of a service for fight fans, that's why we took the decision to take the production. When I was at Sky, I used to watch a show about it. I didn't like it. That was a big problem for you, yeah? It wasn't a problem, but I wanted to mould. If I'm selling a show, if I'm creating a product, and then all of a sudden I've put the show on, and then, in my opinion, the production element wasn't right, or the commentary wasn't right. And it's not, it's not just my decision, like, oh, Eddie just comes in and has who he wants. But that's why I went and signed Mike Costello, Barry Jones, like all the you know, people where I, I've listened. So that hardcore audience, I know exactly what they're thinking all the time, because I do read too much. But I can satisfy you. I think if people were honest, you look at the criticism of commentary and stuff like that. You know, Darren Barker's become a real talent. Andy Mike Costello, Andy Lee. Like, I think, although they still love to moan, if you ask them honestly, do you like the commentary and presentation setup of the zone? They would say, yeah, we think that's a really solid team. And I needed to be able to mould the whole product because I can't build a product for eight weeks and then boom, at the big moment, I'm going, actually, you wouldn't have used them or... I would have done this on the ring walk or I would have done this with the lighting, you know? So we wanted total ownership. Let me ask one more question before, and we got a feature for you, Eddie. Obviously for DAZN, you have to deliver a lot of content. How do you find the quality content? And is there a difference? Like, is there something that, do you have to have something that stands out? Do you think with Sky, they had their magazine show ringside? Mm. Whether it was good or not, people loved it. I think because they there wasn't a saturated yeah, you know content. What, George, like ringside, I miss ringside. The numbers were so bad. That is why ringside stopped. 
And it was like, it doesn't mean you just give up, by the way, and go, no one watches those things. But, but everyone you talk to says they miss it and yeah, they watched you, because, it, but obviously they didn't. you're only or? talking to so these people. Gym. We live in this closed world in boxing. You know, everyone I speak to loved ringside. When they canned ringside, I said to Sky, this is a massive mistake. And they went, Ed, it's just not rating. And I'm like, yeah, but we need it because it fills information. It gives stories. It gives, and, it, and that's how broadcasters look at the business. If I go to DAZN and go, I want to create a magazine show, you know, this and this, that hardcore go, I love this show. It's unbelievable. DAZN will look at it and go, in relation to what it's costing, it's just not hitting the numbers. See this podcast. If you don't hit your numbers, but at some point they're going to look at it and go, actually, we're spending a lot of money on this. It's just not working. You'll get so many people going, what happened to your podcast? Oh, I loved your podcast. And the folks who stick the money in will go, yeah, it was great, but no one fucking watched it. Well, listen to us. One fucked us. I know. <laughs> CompuBox done us. Eddie didn't give us the, yeah. the meme. So, yeah. But what he did do, let's do the feature. Yeah, we'll do a feature. No, jo- no we, do a, we do a quiz every episode. Usually we, oh, everyone's involved a bit, kick it around. This is pure George. Okay. No, no one's even seen it. Well, I'm a bit worried about it. Yeah, you should be. You should be, yeah. yeah. I'm going to knock about some of the names as well. Go on, go on. So today's the day that Eddie Bear had his gimmick. It was going to be a quiz about gimmicks but uh, and stunts, but no. Eddie and Teddy. I Eddie like and it. Teddy, That's yeah. good enough. That was all right. Yeah, close, yeah. Fats and Smalls. Uh, fats and Smalls. Uh, Hearn around. What, what's the name of it? Tina to Herna. So I've got you 10 questions, mate. We're going to go through some of the big stadium fights that Matchroom Sports have uh, ever promoted. And I'd like to see if you know the answers. So question number one, May 27th, 2014, Carl Frotch versus George Groves kicks off an amazing stadium run for you. But do you remember who was the chief support that evening? James DeGale against, I was an IBF final eliminator. I know it. Oh, what was Cost me a fortune, name? this. Yeah. He was trained by Virgil Hunter. Yeah, I know he was. Ah. Oh. He'd done well. That was probably on, the best. Go best Brandon Gonzalez. Brandon Gonzalez. Yes. Whatever became of him. He was. he was undefeated, wasn't he? Limited. Easy win for Chunky, wasn't it? Expensive for It was expensive. Me. George paid for it. <laughs> I paid for it. George paid for it. Come back the other card costs. So he's yeah. not on oh, one yeah, now. Not on one. Great. Right. Tina Tahana. Lovely uh, jokes. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, always. Yeah, right. People love it. We'll get you. We'll get there. Right. <laughs> May 29th, uh, 2016, it's Liverpool's Tony Bellew, who has his homecoming win, WBC World Cruiserweight title against Makabu at the football stadium that he loves, Goodison Park. Bellew down in the first round, but gets up and wins via stoppage in what round? Oh, do you know what? I knew he was going to say that because I was thinking, bloody hell, what round was it? Third round. Yes, very oh, good. Is that quick? Yeah. I thought it was later. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was no, I was going to say later, but I remember he battered Macabre in the first round and then got chinned in the end. And then the whole front row, like for two and a half minutes in that round, we're going, go on, Tony, go <laughs> And then we all sat down and went, oh, shit. And I remember going to my old man, oh, no. He went, yeah, not looking good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then one round later, we were like, yes, Tony. Question number three. Uh, you returned to Wembley Stadium with heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua, 29th of April 2017. Joshua fights Klitschko, defending his IBF and unifying the WBA world title. But you had two future world champions on the undercard, Joe Cordina and... Katie Taylor. Very good. He's there. Question number four. Right, it's all in May. 27th of May, 17. Kelbrook headlines in Sheffield, Bramall Lane. George Groves wins a WBA super middleweight title at the fourth attempt on the undercard. Sadly, the Brit doesn't win against Errol Spence. He sustains an eye injury. But which eye was it? Left or right? It was the other one after the Golovkin fight. It was his left eye. Yes. Right, Joshua out again in a stadium against Carlos Takam. 
his time in Cardiff. Cal Yafide defends his WBA World Super Flyweight title that evening, but which future world champion is also on the undercard? Lawrence Cody. Which two then? There's someone else. Joe Caldina. Yeah. Joshua again unifies against un, uh, unbeaten WBO world champion uh, Joseph Parker. Both unbeaten fighters. What was their combined record? 41-0, 44-0, 47-0. 41 or 47, but I think 41. 44. Joshua 20 and 0, Parker yeah, 24 yeah. and 0. Okay. Right, you're now transatlantic Eddie in terms of stadium fights in 2020, promoting uh, Sol Canelo Alvarez, it's Callum Smith, vacant WBC, and Smith's WBA. But out of the 14 fighters you had on the card that evening, how many of the fighters' surnames ended in EZ? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marty, I uh, six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. worked him out quickly in my head. Uh, yeah. Alvarez, Sanchez, Fernandez, Gomez, Hernandez, <laughs> and of course, one Antonio Lopez. Oh, there you go. He sadly lost yeah. that night. Yeah. Canelo out again, Avni Yildrim, Hard Rock Stadium, mm -hmm. 15,000. Mm -hmm. Yildrim pulls out after three rounds, mm -hmm. being dropped in the third. He wore Cleo Reyes gloves, but what gloves did Canelo wear? No boxing, no life. Very good. Canelo, Still on the hunt, fights Billy Joe Saunders, WBO world title. At this point in time, Saunders was 30-0. Alvarez was 55-1-2 with 33 knockouts to Saunders' is 14. But who was older? Canelo. No, Saunders is older. Really? Saunders, yeah, is Canelo he? was 32, okay. Saunders 33. Ah. Last one. Joshua fights his WBO mandatory challenger, Alexander Usyk, at Tottenham Stadium in London. Can you tell me the song that Usyk ringwalked to? <laughs> No, I'm joking. I should it. What did uh, Joshua Ring walk to? No easy way out. Yeah. Lovely. Tina Taherna. Now, Deck, as a former fighter, you can imagine I still like to keep an eye on the fight game. I can imagine, mate. So do I, George. There's fights all across the world these days. Sometimes you just can't find anywhere to watch them. If only there was a solution that meant we had access to the biggest and best fights whenever we wanted to watch them. Well, Deck, there just might be. Ooh. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country showing, like you said, the biggest and best sporting events around the world. Not only that, but you can stream your favourite TV shows at the drop of a hat too. Surely to watch the best live sporting events and my favourite TV shows, that's going to cost me a fortune. Well, NordVPN actually helps save some money. Does it? Not to mention your protection against cybercrime. You change your virtual location, sign up for a subscription service via other countries and pay a cheaper rate just for the price of one small coffee a month. But what about if I want to throw in the towel at any time? It's not a problem, Nick, right? Because NordVPN provides you with a risk-free... Risk-free? Risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. That's my kind of guarantee. Yes, check out the link, nordvpn.com forward slash ggbc and get your subscription started today. Use that link and you'll receive huge discounts off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Okay, that sounds like an unmissable deal, George, but I know you... I've you know, stitch me up in the past. Am I safe here? Because that could be the real knockout blow. <laughs> NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity deck. It is incredibly easy to use, right? Otherwise, obviously, I couldn't use it. And with just one click, you're protected. You don't have to be a tech whiz. And with your NordVPN account, you can have up to six devices 
protected. I haven't got six devices, but if I did, I'd be buzzing. By I mean, that. that's a Ronald Winky right yes. guard there. But yeah, that really Nothing's is. Nothing's getting through. So let me get this right. With NordVPN, I can watch live sporting events, the best in film and TV from countries around the world, all for the price of a measly little coffee a month, as well as being protected from hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups, which I hate. That is right. Nothing below the belt. Just make sure you use the link nordvpn.com forward slash GGBC for that huge NordVPN plan discount plus a bonus gift. Talk about Saved by the Bell. You'll never have to miss anything ever again with NordVPN. Next fight for you, Canelo Alvarez and then Taylor Cameron. Mm. There's a big run coming up next five weeks. Canelo against John Ryder in Guadalajara, Taylor against Cameron in Dublin, and then Wood Lara rematch as well in Manchester. So John Ryder, is he your longest serving fighter? One of, I mean, proper the back, same in, the, yeah, back in the old yeah, days. Yeah. But, and Canelo very much the kind of the icon of your of the new matchroom and yeah, the new Eddie Hearn. USA for sure. Yeah. And he's up against Ryder, the, yeah. the old boy yeah. from the stable. So I'll have to be in Canelo's corner. But frankly, yeah. John's, look, you know, listen, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm so pleased he gets to do it because whatever happens, he gets to leave the sport with a lot to show. If there's ever a good time to fight Canelo Alvarez, it's now. Coming off the surgery, coming off a mediocre 2022, but you are fighting Canelo Alvarez in Guadalajara. And I'll see you boys there. Lovely, thanks Can't wait. Eddie. Cheers boys. Eddie, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for finally deciding not to duck us. <laughs> no problem. The duck is over. How about that then, Jack? Eddie Hearn, tick. Elite club member, Eddie Hearn. Yeah. I could sit and talk to Eddie all day. Yeah. I mean, he's such a fantastic talker. Yeah, he should promote fights for a little. He should, yeah. I felt like we were just just chiseling away there to get past the guard of the questions that he sort of, that he answers regularly. And also, thanks for the hospitality, bringing us up to Matchroom HQ. Little road trip, wasn't too far. We didn't see Frank Smith, but his car was outside. Yeah. We did manage to see other Hearns, and that might be a spoiler alert for coming weeks. And we've left him a, a, one of our limited edition prints. And I left the, my child, my laptop charger in the office as well. You, you so, get over that laptop nah, charger. No, I fucking need it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we should say, overlooking the beautiful garden with a helicopter pad, which in my mind's eye, when we open this George Grove Boxing Club HQ for real, it needs a helipad. Otherwise, how else are we going to get Dave Allen in? Exactly. Scott Welch will pick him up. <laughs> yeah, he's the official driver. Yeah. <laughs> He don't mind. Yeah. you got to dream big. Helipad, Dave Allen, Scott Welsh is the driver. We've done Hearn now, so what's next? I mean, let us know. Yeah. If you are going to let us know, there's only... Well, first of all, you have to become an elite club member. Yeah, there. but how how do you do that? You hit the follow button in your podcast app. When? Now. Okay. And you can hit us up on the socials at GG Boxing Club. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can email us, Deck. ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. Yes. I realise I probably shouldn't say that, that so fast in case someone's got a pen and paper. Like, brrr. Yeah. ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk. Email us whatever you want. George, though, what, how do I, you know, when we ask everyone to put a, a song on the playlist, how on the devil do you find this list of songs? Uh, you can listen to our playlist, The Ringwalk, on Spotify or just go on the link tree. Yeah. There's a link to it on the link tree. You know, some people, when they listen to the podcast, they just don't want any ads. Okay. Any options for them? Amazon Music. Oh, really? Yeah, if they go on Amazon Music, okay. it's an ad free. There's just one ad. Yeah. That's Amazon. Yeah. Or, the, or this, whole, this whole podcast. Yeah. Buy some merch. Yes. Speaking of this podcast, that's two out of three done, George. One more. It's Dexco Week. Yep. 
we are back on Friday with more Canelo the Rider preview action. Yes, our final look at the big the big fight. Anyway, once Dexaco's done and dusted, George, we're back to regular programming next week. But who have we got? We have got an absolute treat. Oh yeah. Probably I mean if you enjoyed today's episode of Eddie Hearn. We got to thank the guy who's coming yeah. up next week. Really, I want to know. That, I want to talk to the man who owns the loins from which Eddie sprung. Well, that's only the one and only Barry Hearn. Big bad Barry Hearn. Barry the Hitman Hearn. Yeah, and never mind inspirational stories in boxing and success stories in boxing. This is a great British success story. Full stop. Love it. It's a two-parter. Two-parter. It's a two-parter deck. Okay, and I'll be back in the saddle with my suntan, ready to go. I hope so. Me too. Bye, Dad. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.